G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as you know, ever since the marriage law was changed in late 2017, the coalition government has promised action to preserve our freedoms. Now, there appears to be a consultation process and something of what you might call road testing of proposals before any legislation will be put to the Parliament. The deep concerns of the Christian community are that if the government doesn't get the legislation right, the cure could be worse than the disease. What's happened to Israel Folau could happen to any Christian in any workplace, on a sporting team or in business. Now there's some speculation that legislation could be out by mid-August. So let's get an update on thoughts around what's happening with religious freedoms in Australia. Damien Wilde is the National Director of the Australian Family Coalition. Damien, always a pleasure. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Hey, Damien, almost two years on from when the initial promise came for religious freedoms, uh, we are still waiting. Is this a concern for you? Is it bad or is it good? Well, it's a very good question, Neil. I mean, firstly, it's hard to believe that it's been almost two years. Um, I've had mixed feelings along the way about what it means to have this delay. Firstly, last year, when we knew that the Ruddock uh, report had been written and essentially left in a drawer for months and months when the world sort of passed it by, that was, I think, just so annoying to and so disheartening to many of the people who'd participated in this process to see that it really just wasn't a priority for many people at the time. But now, I think, given the aftermath of the election and the fact that we do have another shot at this, we need to get it right. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to see the government or the parliament or indeed anybody hurrying to try and uh, find some quick fix for this that, as you said, uh, saw a situation where the cure might be worse than the disease. This sort of legislation is going to be in place for a very long time and it's absolutely crucial that we get it right. Well, when we hear of consultation, I mean, the government might argue they've been consulting all along because of the Ruddock Review on Freedoms, and I know they've spoken to church leaders, but now when it comes to the pointy end, when there's actually some legislation that's taking shape, uh, I imagine that there's a bit of closed-door consultation, and I've heard of the idea of workshopping around this type of thing when it comes to the legislation, but I assume too that the consultation will have to continue after there is a actual proposal that's tabled. What are your thoughts on what might happen with this consultation process? Well, you're quite right, Neil, that there are different aspects to this. I mean, firstly, we do have the Ruddock Report, which points to the fact that the current situation is not ideal and there are some changes needed. Um, we've got this uh, referral at the moment to the Law Reform Commission, um, which is still some time away from reporting. You, you're right again in saying that uh, it's all well and good to talk about it in ethereal, abstract terms, but we need to see what the government is proposing because at the moment we only have a relatively vague idea that they're looking at two different bills, 
one of course uh, an extenu- a continuation and extension of the, continu- uh, the current uh, anti-discrimination regime in our federal laws and also what they're terming this omnibus bill which will go through and amend all sorts of other bits of legislation. But until we actually see what they're proposing it's very difficult to, to comment on it other than to say that the concept of more anti-discrimination laws seems far from ideal. I think we could readily see a situation where the cure is worse than the disease because anti-discrimination laws, by their very nature, are very negative, very restricting things and not the positive affirmation of freedom that we really need to see. Damien, we'll come to some potential consequences of bad legislation in a few moments, but while we're talking about uh, what you've just mentioned, uh, you know, when you get things uh, wrong, uh, more anti-discrimination law legislation, or whether you have some level of positive affirmation of religious freedom. This is what I pick up from so many commentators uh, who are wanting this positive affirmation. This clearly is the way that Christian leaders appear to be uh, looking at this time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the two different ways you could go here? And then we'll get to, you know, what sort of consequences there are if if uh, the government uh, gets the legislation wrong. Hmm. Well, for some people, it may seem a question of semantics. You know, you, you do it this way, you do it that way. Is the effect really any different? Well, there's a huge difference because at the moment, under anti-discrimination law, the way it works... Uh, it basically says you can't do all of these things except in these circumstances, which is a radically different proposition from saying you are allowed to, you have every right to do these things. For example, um, schools are not allowed to discriminate, faith-based schools. Uh, sorry, I'll start again. Yeah. Schools are not allowed to discriminate uh, on certain bases, except, for example, in the case of faith-based schools with regards to sexuality and so on. That's what led to the crisis last year, whereby... Uh, the rights of faith-based schools over employment and enrolment were attacked. So it's very easy in that sort of regime to see where those exemptions, those little narrow windows in which faith is allowed to operate can easily be taken away. And that's why seeing an extension of those sorts of laws, while in the short term it might grant us that little narrow window in which to practice our faith, that can very easily be taken away in the future by any parliament. So that's not the sort of regime that we really want to see. A little bit like a cosmetic operation uh, that could easily be reversed at some time into the future. Uh, Let's talk about, as I mentioned, some of the possible uh, consequences if the government does get all this wrong, if there is bad legislation. I know you've been thinking through consequences fairly deeply, and I know that listeners will be very interested in the sorts of things that potentially could be the result if things go wrong. Well, quite right. And we can see examples of this at federal level already. Um, And we can also see many examples at state and territory level because they, of course, have their own uh, similar anti-discrimination laws or equal opportunity laws, whatever you want to call them. It's all a package deal. So really to see some of the worst elements of where our federal laws could go, we can actually look at state-based examples. Now, some of these are very well known. One is the case of the uh, Cobol Youth Camp in Victoria, where some years ago uh, a booking was made at a Christian youth site by uh, a young same-sex attracted group. And that that caused all sorts of problems for the Christian campsite. Likewise, the uh, the very well-publicised and I'd say infamous case uh, affecting uh, Catholic Archbishop Julian Porteous down in Hobart, where before the marriage law had even changed, the state 
um, laws were used to basically charge him um, you know, with, with an offence for propagating church teaching on marriage. So it's not hard to see how if these sorts of laws were inserted uh, at a federal level, it, it just it creates a whole new dimension to these laws that we haven't even seen yet. And I think that many Christians would be horrified by that if they sat down and thought about it. And of course, as you say, if the legislation is simply around anti-discrimination law or a few minor changes to what already exists, what that means that when there is a change of government that we ought to anticipate will happen sometime into the future, that a future government can easily tinker with those laws and really put the clampers down on Christians and Christian schools and therefore even churches, even restricting what they might teach about all sorts of very important biblically-based topics. That's the that's the ultimate, isn't it? It is. And if you go back a couple of years, parliamentarians were actually saying that uh, these remain live issues uh, simply because we've got the laws as they stand at any given time. Uh, that's not to say that we're not going to change them in future. In fact, the Shadow Attorney General at the time, uh, Robert Dreyfus, two years ago, made the point that... Um, you know, should Labor win power at some point in the future, which eventually they will, um, that they consider it uh, a matter very much in need of review. Now, given their past pronouncements on this issue, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned as to what that might mean. I think that when we see a debate over the uh, the government's proposals in the coming months, it will be really telling for the future because we're not even there yet. We don't even have these new laws in place, for better or worse. And I think that when we actually hear the parliamentary debate and the debate in public from our our political leaders, we're going to get an idea of what they think about this, where they want to see these laws go in future. Uh, and, And we need to base our own actions and response to these laws accordingly. Damien, very soon, undoubtedly, some sort of legislation is going to be tabled in the parliament. And I just want to not be fearful or to sow some sort of idea here, but you mentioned that issue that happened with the Ruddock Freedom Review when there was a very deceitful leak about what that review had uncovered, and that was affecting faith-based schools. Now, I could anticipate, and some might say uh, being a little bit too negative and maybe not so trustworthy of those who are emotive antagonist uh, opponents of the Christian church, that there'll be all sorts of information that will be put out there that uh, will raise all sorts of scare campaigns about what legislation around religious freedom might mean for, say, the LGBT community. What do you anticipate is going to be in the public debate when that time comes, when there is some legislation on the table? I think that the um, the manufactured crisis last year, that is that there are you know, scores or more of uh, same-sex attracted students being expelled from schools, all these emotive stories... I think what we saw last year, to be frank, will probably pale in comparison with what still lies ahead. Um, the equality campaign, who were you know, on the front foot of the, the change of uh, the marriage laws two years ago, have already been made... They've made it very clear in the last few weeks uh, that they do not want to... They don't want to see these laws. Um, not the sort of laws that we would like to see. They have uh, used the phrase that these laws, these protections, should be a shield and not a sword as though somehow Christians have it in for them, um, you know, that we, we don't care and love very deeply our same-sex attracted um, friends and family. 
course we do. We, we're not using these laws, nor do we seek to use these sorts of laws for our own gain and betterment and preferment or to anyone else's detriment. But already we're seeing this very hostile sort of language, a shield and not a sword. Um, I think the average Christian just wants to be allowed to go about their everyday business, to practice their faith in freedom, uh, and not to sort of suffer the consequences that we've seen many people suffer in recent times. Israel Folau, of course, being one of the most prominent. But to answer your question, Neil, I, I do think, unfortunately, that we are going to see a very emotive and very difficult debate ahead, uh, and that people ought to prepare themselves for that. Uh, as Christians, we would see it as common sense that there be some sort of positive sweeping law that protects everybody because when we talk about religious freedom, we're talking about freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of association. And then we sort of, you know, get down the list where we say religious freedom. But of course, uh, religious freedom is part of the foundation for what gives us freedoms for all Australians. And I know that people do try and marginalise their thoughts on what religious freedom means, but it is freedom for all Australians. This idea of a sweeping law that protects everybody. This is what you have in mind, Damien. This is what Christian leaders have in mind when they're talking about a positive affirmation for religious freedom. It doesn't seem to be something that should be all that contentious, uh, but clearly uh, what the contention is that there are those opponents, those who are quite aggravated by the idea that there might be religious freedom, uh, who are going to be opposing this. Uh, So the idea of a, a law that protects everyone, this is what you're pushing? Well, I I think in effect, Neil, yes, because we're not asking for anything new. We're not asking for anything special. What most people want is simply to be allowed to go about living their lives as they have all these years. Uh, And that's something that should and would apply to everybody in that regard. Um, I think, ironically, in that regard, that the very same sentiment that appealed to many Australians who voted yes to the marriage change two years ago, that is live and let live, give everyone a fair go, would hopefully be the sort of sentiment now that works in our favour for these sorts of protections. Because at the end of the day, people want to be allowed to live their lives, uh, be they Christian or otherwise, and I think that's something that resonates very deeply for most Australians. We'll sometimes use that terminology, inalienable rights, uh, those things that are taken for granted as the sort of rights that every single human being needs to and has the right to experience, uh, anything short of a positive affirmation for religious freedom, and I'm talking religious freedom right across the board there, but anything short of that is really a stepping stone towards what can become very authoritarian. Is that a is that an overreaction? Am I exaggerating anything in that? But uh, that really seems to me to be the logical outcome. I think so, Neil. I mean... Um We've heard a lot in the last few years about diversity, but there seems to be nothing less diverse than diversity. We hear a lot about tolerance, but there seems to be nothing so intolerant as the new tolerance. You can have a lot of fun with these words, but where it all ends up is the same place. It's it's stifling in its conformity, I think, in the chilling effect that we've seen on Australian public discourse. People are simply afraid to say what they believe. People are afraid to say what they truly think. It has a an impact, I think, on people trying to share their faith, uh, people trying to engage in mission. It's, it's a tragedy, Neil, um, particularly when these should be positively affirmed rights and not simply even um, the right to um, practice and express and manifest your faith and your beliefs, 
But even beyond that, your thoughts, your conscience, um, your freedom of association, people's rights as parents, these are all positive rights um, at an international level to which Australia is is a signed-up signatory. You know, we have a moral obligation to uphold these principles in our laws. Um, yeah, and without those, as you said, we, we tread a very difficult path, uh, a, a very dark path, I think, and not one that we want to walk down. Well, Damien, you've been a champion of this idea of freedom for a very long time now as one of the primary voices with the No campaign when the marriage debate was on and uh, and the growth of the Australian Family Coalition in that time since. Uh, no doubt you'll be on the front foot when that legislation does hit the table in Parliament and uh, no doubt you're looking to have people who will be your prayer support, uh, even financial support, uh, to be able to understand some of the commentary and the resources that you might be able to bring to the table so that Christian believers can understand the direction that things are going. How do you think uh, you'd like uh, for listeners to our conversation today? Uh, what sort of support can they give you? Oh, all of those things that you just mentioned here would be a fantastic start. And in addition to that, uh, one small thing, one small way that people can help. We've been running now for some months a thing that we've called the, the Freedom Declaration, uh, it's available on our website. It outlines the very positive freedoms that we've been talking about this morning, and we've now got nearly 20,000 people on board, which is fantastic, and we'd love to have a few more. All right. Okay. And uh, let me encourage listeners uh, to go to the website, ostfamily.com.au. That's the website of the Australian Family Coalition, ostfamily.com.au. And let me just say uh, that as one of those organisations that will be a primary spokesperson uh, through the uh, whole debate that is coming ahead of us, uh, you know that Damien is a very good, articulate spokesperson in this area. And I know that there will actually be uh, more than a dozen uh, organisations that will be really rising to the forefront when it comes to the issues of religious freedom. But uh, Damien Wilde, National Director of Australian Family Coalition, uh, expectant uh, that uh, you're certainly going to have a voice in the times to come. That website, once again, for listeners, is ostfamily.com.au. Damien, thanks for joining us once again today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.